Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Please be advised that the content of this show is for mature audiences 18 and over due to the topics discussed. Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantic truth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantic truth. Now, here is your host Jawson. Hi everyone, Jawson with you here in Romantic Truth Las Vegas. Now, some of you have written in telling me that the show's too negative and too dark. Folks, I'm a moderate. I believe in good, mediocre, and bad. Now, here's the thing. That's with anything. You're going to find those three levels in any kind of situation you find yourself in. In relationships, there's some good relationships. Some of you folks write in and tell me how wonderful it is. You love your spouse. You love your boyfriend or girlfriend. That's great. Some of you don't have any problems. and You can't understand anybody else's problems because you don't have any and never had any. Okay, I'll give you that. I'm happy for you. Some of you are in current relationships and happy as punch. I'm happy for you as well. Others of you are in a situation where things are not so good. Some of you are trying to figure yourselves out and trying to figure out where to go next. Some of you coming out of divorce, trying to figure out how you're going to live the rest of your life. You don't want to live a little long. Some of you have lost a loved one that really meant a lot to you. And it's very difficult for you to go on. There are others of you that don't take relationships seriously at all. You look at it just like changing underwear. It means nothing. You just want to have another body. There are others of you that want a lifestyle change based on a relationship. What I'm getting at is there's a plethora of different things that people want to do. And with this, you're going to have several gradations of relationships. Now, I could sit here and blow smoke and tell you how wonderful dating is and relationships are. I was out there 30 plus years. I've seen the good, the bad, and the ugly, and the, and the indifferent. A lot of you get hung up on the relationship bliss. That's about the first six months of a relationship on average. Usually it's 90 days. Everything's pristine. Because you're still trying to impress each other. You're on your honeymoon phase of the relationship. Some of you don't like commitment because you know good and well that's when that phase stops 
and you're starting to deal with the reality of the relationship, the work. You don't want that. You want to go on and find another relationship where you can start out again. You know, it's like the kid that's trying to draw in an art class and doesn't really have confidence in what he's drawn and what he's doing is just piling up the paper and wasting resources instead of focusing on what he needs to draw. I used to be that kid years ago. You call it perfection. What it actually is, fear of success. Now, the other thing too that you have to take a look at, relationships are not made for everyone. There are some people that are genuinely not cut out to be in a relationship, and they know it. There are others that are not cut out for it and don't know it. Their partner is looking for monogamy, and this person's out there sleeping with everybody. Now, there's some factors that we have to look at, and we have to be really frank with ourselves, candid with ourselves about it. When it comes down to agendas, when it comes down to what is valuable to us, when it comes down to how we treat ourselves. A lot of you get upset when I talk about the material thing. Reason why? Because many of you are materialistic. One reason why I say that is because you write in about that particular situation. I have had more emails from young women concerned about not getting with a broke dude more so than I have had them write in about finding someone to love. Again, you're dealing with the bliss portion of the relationship. The interesting thing is I get more email from women than I do men. And this show initially was not oriented for females. When I say that, I don't mean it was misogynist or anything, but it was like the male audience. That's who started listening initially when I started this just before COVID hit back in 2019. And then there was a demographic shift. Women started listening to the show. Okay, cool. I had no problem with it. Now women are 72% of the audience on Spotify. 72%. Largest demographic on Spotify now for this show is 60 plus. Used to be 35 to 44. But here's the thing. And I appreciate it because that demographic has been neglected a lot. But see, well, one thing that we have to also realize too, a lot of times when we think of happiness in a relationship, we usually start with the initial phases. And sometimes we even forget about some of the precious moments we have in a relationship. 
after it started. Sometimes we go to extremes. Oh, I wish things were like it was when we first met. Now, I firmly believe everyone should be happy, without a doubt. Oh, by the way, I need to address something else too. By the way, I'm not a socialist. Because the 10 things podcast that I did is not to imply socialism. I think your name was Mary, I think, that wrote in. I gotta look it up, right? But it's not socialism. Because a pure socialist system wouldn't work. You gotta have democracy in there in order for it to fly. Because democracy recognizes a person's personal interests. The social aspect of it takes care of more of the cultural and economic issues. They work hand in hand. That's the reason why it works so well in Europe. Why they have national health care and we don't. And free education in most countries and we don't. So I hope that answers your question as an aside. But anyway, what we have to content what we have to remember with these relationships You're the one that's got to make yourself happy first. And that starts with you. The person compliments your happiness. They don't make it for you. I get a lot of email from people that haven't had a bad experience in dating our relationships. A lot of them have been cocooned in marriages and long-term relationships for a while. And they made the right choice, maybe with the person initially and things, they grew apart or whatever. Okay. Well, here's the thing that gets me. After these people get out of those relationships, they're the very people that are telling me Oh, well, I don't know what you're talking about. I, I, I don't think that that exists. And then many of them write back later. Or leave a message about how horrible their date went. The lady that was going on a date with the guy, the car broke down. And he wanted her to pay for the tow truck. And what use her AAA? And she called an Uber and went home. She was one of those folks. She'd been in a marriage for a long time and divorced. And she wrote me a pretty interesting email back in the day about how she thought that I was being negative, how things aren't that way, until she found out when she went on that date with the guy with the car breaking down. You never know what to expect with people. You can assume all you'd like, but you don't know. Going out on a date with a person and they're taking the condiments and duffing them in their purse. Saying, oh, well, you know, 
It's a business. They've got more money than I do. And thinking it's okay. Tacky as hell, but people do that. Folks, many of the laws that are written in this country have to be written because some dumbass broke it in some kind of way. From molesting alligators down in Florida, all the way to trying to push a moose out of a damn flying plane in a parachute. We have to make laws in order to cover the morbidly stupid. Here goes. And these people, yes, they go to the same stores you do. They deal with some of the things, same things you do. It's amazing that many of you don't think that those people live normal lives. Some of them you work with and don't even know it. Again, this show is not to scare you. It's to make you observe and not ignore certain things. It comes down to dating. Because sometimes we do that. It was funny. A friend of mine, she had gone out on a date, I think about two weeks ago. And she called me up last night. We were talking. And she says, uh, she went out with the guy. And while she was in the car with them, going to the restaurant they were going to, he took his hand, instead of putting it in the console, he put it between her legs. And she moved his hand. And told him, uh, that's inappropriate. Don't do that. Please don't do that. He copped an attitude. And she was talking about when they were talking over the phone before they went out. He was very romantic. But the problem was, he got too comfortable. And I asked her, I always tease her, but I said, so did he blow it? She said, oh, hell yeah. Never again. She's one of those people with the antiquated mindset. Oh no, the man has to drive, the man has to pick me up. And I told her, I said, you won't get enough of that shit because you're going to run across the wrong guy. Just because she hadn't, she thought she never would. And being that she did, she learned a lesson that next time I'm definitely driving myself to the date. You know, I look at some of the horrific things that happens with some of the cases on court TV. And these were, uh, these were people that supposedly loved each other. They talk about how long they've been married or how long they've been in a relationship. You ask yourself, where did things go wrong? Not mean wrong in a major way. Because by the time they make it to court TV, believe me, whatever it is, it's jacked up. 
there was a woman in, I believe it was Milwaukee. Her last name was Shabizas. No, seriously, that was her last name. And um, apparently she got high for crack with her boyfriend. No, it was meth, not crack. And they were down in his basement, down in his bedroom, down there, at his mother's house. And apparently, she decided to go up and get a bread knife. She dismembered this man. Cut his manhood off, had sex with it, and threw the penis and his head, beheaded the man and put it in a bucket. Cut the man's torso in half. Half of it was in a sports bag. And she took the rest of the corpse from the waist down and put his feet in a crock pot inside of a van and drove home. The young man's mother found him, called police. Police go over to the woman's house. She's still sitting there in the living room in her bloody clothes. And there were parts of him that they couldn't find in the house that she had dismembered. Now the same person is up for trial. And let me tell you, she was a very beautiful woman. I mean, hell, I would have dated her. I saw on Facebook, I was like, damn. So on the surface, she looked like any woman that any guy would date that was very attractive. Well, she goes to court and she bites into the attorney. And so they have to go and restrain her. She attacks her attorney. And hell, that happened recently with the other guy, the one guy that was convicted for killing his children, killing his child, and killing the babysitter. He asked the attorney to lean over to talk to him and then he went and elbowed him in the head. What I'm telling you folks is that, and this is not to scare you, but it's to make you aware don't ignore those red flags if you see them. If something that makes you uncomfortable, address it right then. If you're on the first date with them, hey, I feel uncomfortable with your hand there. Tell them that. That's the reason why I tell you guys, let her make the first move. She'll let you know when she's comfortable. Now, another thing too, you'd be surprised how many women are into the guy that they go out with. There are a lot that aren't, but there are a lot that are. And as I told you before, they're hoping that you don't fuck it up 
because they really would like to see where the relationship could go. And I'm telling you, fellas, a lot of these women are actually rooting for you. Because they want the gratification of feeling as though they made a good choice. That's what they're looking for. Now, another thing we have to keep in mind. A lot of people are concerned about what do I do next when they get into these relationships. The only thing you have to remember is just to be you. I know it's easier said than done for some people because they deal with anxiety and they have all kind of insecurities and things that they have to, you know, kind of keep an eye on. You know what? Tell them what your insecurity is. Tell them what's going on. So that you could be comfortable. There's a reason why I tell you on the first date, 40 bucks, ice cream parlor, deli, pizzeria, fast food restaurant. Doesn't have to be fancy at all. But let her know that, fellas. Don't have her dress up and then take her to McDonald's. Or the In-N-Out burger like the one guy did. Just dress down. You can be casual. You don't have to necessarily be all spiffed up. And you want to be well-groomed. But what you want to do is to get her comfortable where the two of you can actually um, get along. We can have some time to get along with each other. Because that's what it's going to take. The two of you. Where you guys can go and maybe continue some of the conversations you had over the phone, face to face. Crack some inside jokes that you guys made during the conversation. In other words, to break the anxiety and the anxiousness. And fellas, if she's nervous, please reassure her. Just say, hey, look, I want you to be yourself. I want you to just be yourself. Calm down. You don't have to be nervous. Fellas, same thing with you. Because some of you get nervous and that knee starts to rocking. And some of them will make judgments based on that. Oh God, he's nervous. He scares me. He, he makes me nervous, being nervous. A couple of grooming tips, fellas. If you bite your nails, nail biting is indicative of anxiety. Doesn't always mean it. Some of you fuckers are hungry and that's a meal. But <laughs> for the most part, You want to try to refrain from that. Now, one thing that will help you, because I used to bite my nails when I was younger, I used to put athletic tape over my fingernails and let them grow. And usually after they got to a certain length, you didn't want to do that. 
I went out with one lady and she had bitten her nails down to the quick where she had these, when I met her, she had these Lee Press-On nails. Remember those? Hell, when we went on that date, those days were gone. Hell, I still wonder whether or not she ate them. But it was really bad because she had skin tags from eating them. And there was something that I just, ugh, I couldn't deal with it. Now, the thing you got to remember is that uh, also, fellas, I hate to say this, but I've had women to write in about this. Make sure you shower before you go on a date. Women have written in about this. Some guys come right from the gym, funky as I don't know what, and then go out on a date with the woman. Change clothes, put on, and go out on a date with her. The other thing. I'm just talking about some of the things not to do, fellas. Don't itemize a bill for her after the date and tell her how much she owes. If you invited her out for the date, on you. If she volunteers, if she offers to go Dutch, that's between the two of you. If she insists on going Dutch, meaning she's paying for hers, you're paying for yours, she doesn't want to be under any obligation to you. And what this means is that there's a good possibility she probably accepted a date with a guy one time he was looking for something else besides just the date. But this is the way a woman will go and make it abundantly clear. Uh-uh, you ain't getting none of this. Now, the other thing. If she says something like, well, I'm paying for the date tonight, and you pay for the date next time, please make sure there is a next time, and you pay for the date. Even if the date's gonna be a bullshit date and you guys are not getting along, he's extending you that courtesy, he's extended back. Now, other things. Ladies, one thing I'm gonna warn you about that some of the guys have written about, some of you are introducing him to your family too soon. Way too soon. You only be with him a month or two and before you know it, he's meeting everybody in the family. And the thing is, you probably haven't vetted him enough yet. Putting him on the spot like that. I know you want to show them off with your girlfriends and with your family and everything. Get to know them first. Same thing with your single moms. Your kids should not be introduced to every man you date. 
Because from a kid's perspective, they're thinking, damn, mom can't make a good decision. You don't want your kids thinking like that. Vet him first. Prep the kids to meet him. Tell them about him. Ask them how they would feel about mommy being dating someone else. Just to get feedback from them. Because that's going to be indicative, believe it or not, on how they receive it. Because just because you have this old notion of, well, my kids will like whatever I like, they'll do whatever I say. Not necessarily. They can rebel in other ways. And kids are second eyes on relationships. They see things that parents don't think they see. You know, it's the different perspective like a pig has when they can only see straight forward and a little up, but he can't look up at the sun or at the sky because of his neck. Those kids can see certain things at a level that you may not really have a vantage point from. over to a lady's house one night this was back in the 90s and she and I have been flirting but we never really thought about a relationship and so she said well I tell you what we ought to go to dinner I said, okay cool she said I'll pay I said no that's okay I said I'll pay she said no I invited you I'm paying so we went out to the Cheesecake Factory in Marina Del Rey one of my old spots I used to love to go to And while we were there, she said she had told her son, who was like nine, about me. And she said that I was getting ready to whip him, but I had to think about what he said. And he had asked her, Mama, are you going to bring another man home? He spoke the truth. And he had caught her off guard. And she was talking about how she was getting ready to whip him for being disrespectful. And then she said, you know, my kids have seen me with too many men. We could talk candid like that and we never ever start a relationship with just we're platonic friends the whole time. But it was really funny because um, she changed her parenting skills after that. She became a little bit more vigilant with what the kids are exposed to. And this is what some of you may have to take into consideration. But ladies, I will tell you, if you're a single mom, you gotta make damn sure before you bring that man to meet your kids that you have vetted him. And another thing too, ladies, don't try to make it a date where you guys are going out and you're taking the kids with you on the first date. Because you're trying to, 
first establish the liaison with him to see whether this thing is going to go anywhere, at least where you can trust him or don't feel like you got a cringe just being around him. Try that first. Meet him first. We'll talk more in a moment. All right, folks, what we're going to talk about now is something that you may face in relationships. Empathy versus sympathy. When you're sympathetic to someone, you have pity for them because you might not have experienced the same thing they've experienced. So it's a whole different sentiment. You're really sad because they're sad more so than based on your own experience where you have pity for yourself and for that person. With empathy, you have the experience of what that person's going through. So instead of being sad for that person only, you're sad for that person, and you're also reminiscent of the sadness for yourself. Empathy is far more relatable to people than sympathy. Sympathy is more or less, you're just going along with something that's happened that you never experienced. Empathy means you've experienced it and you understand. Now, your level of sensitivity will dictate how that's perceived by the person. Now, the reason why I'm talking about this in particular is because in relationships sometimes, people aren't empathetic or sympathetic, they're insensitive. Let me give you an example of this level of insensitivity. I went to a glaucoma doctor in Los Angeles years ago, and I got the bad news. It was confirmed, I had glaucoma. I kind of knew I had it throughout the years, but nobody said anything. You know, it's one of those things where the doctor would look and just go and prescribe glasses and that's it. Instead of telling me, hey, you need to see an ophthalmologist instead of sitting here trying to get new glasses. Well, after I got my disappointing news that day, I'm walking to my car and there's this woman that's parked in this Lexus in the next parking space. And I nod to her, she nods to me and she asked me, is the line long in there? And I said, no, I said, there's a lot of waiting because, you know, the doctors are taking them as they come in. And she's like, well, you know, I've been waiting for my boyfriend to come out of there because I got somewhere to go. I got this to do and that to do. And I said, well, if he's going in for an exam, it's going to take him a while because they got to do the pressure test. She's like, well, can they just give him a shot so we can hurry up and get this over with? And I said to myself, should I explain to her the magnitude of what she's dealing with or should I just let her stay ignorant? Well, I thought about it for a second. I was getting ready to get in my car and I said, look, I said, if he's here, he probably has glaucoma. 
And what that means is that it's going to be more than just a quick fix. They're probably going to put him on drops and it's going to take a while. They've probably given him the field pattern tests and all the rest. And she's like, oh my God, how long is that going to take? I said, I don't know. You'd have to ask them. And at this point, I said, okay, I've gone out of my way enough trying to inform her. Let me get in my car and leave. I get ready to get in the car and she says, glaucoma. She said, damn. She said, that sucks to be you then, doesn't it? I didn't even bother with a comment. I got in the car. What that meant was that she was also frustrated with her boyfriend. Now, I want you to imagine what kind of relationship they're going to have with him having glaucoma. And folks, let me tell you something. When it comes to insensitivity, online, and we're not talking with kids and teenagers, we're talking with grown-ass people. I had a lady one time tell me straight up, she's like, well, I'm not going to date you because you're going to go blind, you're going to be walking around with a cane and a dog, and you're going to be embarrassing me, knocking things over. And this was a sister. Right here in Vegas. not indicting any black women in general. I'm just letting you know it wasn't somebody that would have been kind of stereotypically prejudiced against me. And she mentioned that. And I said, well, it looks like we won't be a match. She said, no, mm -mm. can't do it. Two years later, she called me up. How you doing? Who is this? So and so and so. Just wanted to check on you, see how your eyes were doing. I said, so you didn't give a fuck for two years <laughs> how my eyes were doing. Now all of a sudden you just call about her blue. What are you really calling for? Oh, I just called to check on you. What she called was to find the status check to see where I was in life, where it could benefit her. This is something that you may face, ladies and gentlemen. Person turns you down, didn't want to be with you, then all of a sudden something falls through for them, then all of a sudden they're coming back, trying to act like nothing happened, doing damage control, because she didn't want to be alone. Well, what she found out was that she had to start taking insulin. She had sugar diabetes. And see, what happens, a lot of people have this invincibility thing that really doesn't exist, but we think it does. And the problem with that, people don't go to the doctor, they don't go get themselves checked out, and they wind up what I call dying without trying. In other words, you're dying before you're trying to save yourself. You're going to these home remedies and going on all these different social media channels, getting all these little bullshit ideas from people. When in actuality, you need to get with a doctor that can help you. And as I told you, 
before folks, most institutions, if the doctor is wearing a long white coat, they're usually an instructor or teacher there. The short coat people are still getting a residency and learning. Just keep that in mind. And in some institutions, they have the middle coat that's not so short, not so long. And they have more experience than many of the short coat folks. Depends on the institution. Now, she felt in some way now she's damaged enough in order to start dating down. And some people will do that once their own perspective has changed on how valuable they are. They may either go up or down based on how they feel. Now she could dig down to my level because she has sugar. When she didn't have it, oh no, I was beneath her. Now, another thing that you will find, and I'm going to talk about this in particular, because some of you people with disabilities out there, they will always tell you, these people will always say, well, why don't you go to a disabled site? And I can tell you, in many of those disabled dating sites, a lot of those people are running those profiles and ads. And many of them can't even actually um, represent themselves. What I mean by that is they may not be in a, in a position where they could actually have a relationship because they're doing it behind the family's back. And a lot of times families are very protective of someone who's disabled. And so therefore, it seems like they're trying to escape just to go out and meet someone. And you'll run across this. And then also they don't have the exposure because many of those sites, half of the things don't work on them. And it's a very small number of people that sign up with them. The bulk of people that have disabilities will sign up on a regular dating site. That's just the way it goes. Now, here's the thing, too, that we have to understand. They should be able to do that. But what you have to watch if you're disabled when it comes down to dating, that person with the fake sympathy, that individual is the one you have to watch. That feels as though, well, I can lord over you since you have a disability, and I don't. And of course, they give you this bullshit about they're holding you to the same standard as everyone else, right? Here's the thing I would tell you on that. Don't take that as a compliment. That's an insult. Because it's only obvious that you have a disadvantage. A disadvantage that they would never want. I can't even fathom. So what they're doing is they're letting you know that they're insensitive to you while they're still trying to quote-unquote date you or trying to date you. Please understand how that works. 
Because the problem for many of you, you get involved with a person like that, they may not see you as a person, they may see you as an object. And you don't need that either. You do better by yourself. Now, again, the disclosure about disabilities, I've heard both yay and nay on it. I tell the people what to expect. I'm not going to sit there and say, well, you know, I'll just let them find out. No. I tell them straight up. I wear dark glasses. I have a cane that I, it's retractable that I can use at will. I'm not embarrassed about my disability. I'm proud of it because I have to be, because guess what? It's not gonna leave me. Unlike people will, right? So my disability is more loyal to me than many of the people I will meet for a relationship. So I've learned to embrace it. Not to run away from it. Now, here's the other thing that we have to look at. There's some people with self-esteem so low that they have to date someone at a disadvantage. And the reason why they do it, it makes them feel like somebody. They don't feel like anyone if they don't. They don't feel as though they've made it. So please, vet people and don't just be sit there and being thankful because you have a disability that somebody's interested in you. Vet them. Because you need to. Because you are dealing with a very sensitive thing. And the last thing you want to do is to bring somebody in your life that's going to complicate matters and make things worse than they are. It's bad enough you got to deal with the disability, but dealing with the disability and an asshole too, that's a bit much, don't you think? Just letting you know that. Now, there's a group of people in the dating world that are commonly neglected. And they want to meet people too. People with certain conditions. Could be herpes, it could be some sort of STD or some sort of chronic illness. They have just as much right to be out there dating than anybody else. And you know, and here's the sad thing. Some people are so insensitive, they say, you know what, why don't you get out of everybody's way and go somewhere else? These folks will say this until something happens to them. And the first thing they're gonna to try to do is to try to normalize what they used to have. Then when they realize they can't normalize it, and they have to face the reality, oh boy, they get mad as hell at the world. Everybody's done them wrong then. And you hear this refrain over and over. So in essence, with this, what have we learned here? We have learned that 
when it comes down to some of the housekeeping rules, you found out about them. When it comes down to dealing with empathy and sympathy, this gives you an idea of what you'll be contending with. Because let me tell you something also. There's a sense of jealousy among some people as well. And this is really sad. You may be retired through regular retirement without any disability. There are people out there who are jealous of you and would not date you. They could date you that are still working and they wouldn't do it because of your status. Seriously. Because they feel as though you're taking the easy way out. You're already retired. And you know, these are the folks that will call anybody that's not working lazy until something happens to them where they can retire early, golden parachute, there may be a disability. Then all of a sudden the perspective changes. You know, the one thing to keep in mind, when you judge someone on that basis, don't get pissed when you're judged by the same standard. Because you said it for yourself. Folks, I want you to take care and we'll talk to you on tomorrow. All right, Diane writes the following out of Seattle, Washington. It looks like I've been addicted. And when I say addicted, I mean A-D-D-I-C-K-E-D-E-D. Because this guy has rocked my world. I used to tease my brother about being pussy whipped. I'm sitting here, 43 years old, dick whipped by a 19-year-old kid. That's a damn shame. He's younger than my daughter. My daughter doesn't know about him yet, and I hope to keep it that way. If we were to be found out, what would be something that I could tell my daughter that's palatable, that she would believe? Because as of right now, I can't stop. He is so good. I don't know where he got his training from, but he knows what to do to a woman. My dear... He's probably been screwing a lot of older women, like I used to do. And um, what's happened now, he's in that zone. See, one thing you got to remember about a younger man with an older woman, once we kind of figure out some of the fundamental things that you are familiar with about your body, we use that to our advantage. Like for instance, Prime example, we already know a lot of times, not always, you're very sensitive around your clitoris, labia, nipples. In other words, most younger men, what do they do? They're going in, hard charging, trying to go for it. 
you want to be kind of um, brought to that point and not yanked to that point. So a guy may want to go and take his tongue and wrap them around your nipples while he's sucking as an example. Maybe suck on your clitoris and run his tongue up and down it while he's doing so. Maybe outline your labia with his tongue. Those kind of things to get you to that edge. In other words, ma'am, he knows how to make love to you and you are appreciating the fact that you're not having sex with him. This is what's happening. You don't mind having your back blown out, but it's the way he's doing it because he's prepping you. He's probably good at foreplay, getting you to the point where when you guys actually start having sex, you don't last long. See, that's the thing. A lot of guys, they go in and it's basically, lady, you better get your orgasm before I get my nut. But you prime the pump by getting her to the point where she's ready for you. And when I say ready, it's not going to take much. And when she has that deep orgasm, that one where she doesn't give a fuck whether the light bill is paid, she doesn't give a damn with her car payments paid. She doesn't give a damn where she's at at that moment. And she has that release. That's it. Now, fellas, let me tell you something about that particular situation. Please wear a condom because that woman will more than likely get pregnant at that point. Every ounce of energy, every ounce of everything, even the egg will probably show up and say, I'm here. <laughs> I'm just telling you. That's if you don't want to have any children. Now, if you want to have a kid, that's a good possibility. <laughs> when you pull out of when you pull out of her, it'll be hi daddy. <laughs> so you're gonna have to watch that. Now, ma'am, I'm willing to bet you after you have sex with him, y'all don't do shit but lay in the bed all day. Probably order Uber Eats. No, you're not taking a shower yet. No, 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 no. There's more dick to get. That's what you're doing. You're comfortable. Maybe you'll get up, go drain yourself get that out of the way so you won't leak all over the place are you ready for part two and it's always best to urinate after you have sex make sure you do that very important now now I'm no doctor I'm just saying that it helps you out a lot now here's the thing also Ma'am, 
There's no strategy you could have. As soon as your daughter finds out, she's going to jump in your ass and you know it. And I don't know why you folks think that um, trying to come up with a strategy to backdoor relationship into your family is going to work. This shit's not going to work. Just be honest and upfront and say, hey, look, this is the way it's going to be. Boom, boom, boom. But I know you don't want to do that because that'd be too damn difficult. Nope. You got to, as my friends say, complexicate it. Make it more difficult than it really is. But ma'am, in this situation, I can tell you, you might as well tell your daughter straight up. Now, I'm assuming you said that he is younger than your daughter and he's 19. You might have to tell your daughter, daughter, you know what? I'm going to have to go to Dick Anonymous because right now I'm hooked. Now, here's the thing that I would tell you. Your daughter will probably be upset about your age difference. She's going to be upset about the fact that, first of all, you know, some girls, for some reason, love their fathers more than they love their mothers. So it could very well be where she looks at you as kind of maybe betraying dad. You know she's going to tell, more than likely tell her father if she has a good relationship with him. So you're going to be vilified for that. You're probably call you a heathen and all kind of shit. No. You know, here's the thing. Women, when women date younger men, they take on a lot of shit from other women. Because, hell, I remember when I was dating older women, i get all kinds of shit, but not as half as much as they would get. But that's the thing. An older woman knows her body better. She can tell him exactly where to put it, what to do, or she'll guide it there. And once she gets to a point where she knows it's not going to take that long for her to climax, because you got it down as far as you had that rhythm down for her, she knows good and well. Oh, that's quick relief right there. I don't have to go and wait all night. And then what these women will do is get to a point. As I told you before, fellas, they want to come when you come. So they're going to plan it. And they'll be telling you to slow down, slow down. No, uh-uh, slow down. And then some of them will be tell you, telling you, okay, tell me when you're ready. Tell me when you're ready. And then she'll say, just go and do it a little bit harder and I'm there. Or even go deeper. Now, fellas, you do run the risk of running out of dick in some women. If you're not careful. <laughs> I'm just saying. There's some deep women out there now. Nothing's wrong with it. But it all depends on the woman. 
Now, the other thing I would say, ma'am, is this. You need to have a talk with your daughter. Sit her down and just say, honey, you know what? Mama's got a brand new dick. No, just tell her, um, I need to make some decisions for myself because I've done all I could for you and I love you as my daughter. He's my man. He's who's going to be with me. I know you may have allegiance and love for your father. I loved your father at one point. But he's dicking me down. No, you don't say nothing like that. You just say, but he's um, I'm gonna be with. Now, fellas, those of you who are younger, dating older women, some of them will break up with you and let you go. Because if the dick is too good, they're afraid that they're gonna get addicted and get hurt. Get emotionally hurt. So they wanna break it off. But what happens after a while, they want the dick back. But see, they don't want to get addicted to the dick. And you got to remember one thing about women, fellas, in general. A lot of them are very self-conscious because other women put them in that realm of thinking. A lot of these women listen to other women and get that fucked up advice because they don't ask men anything. You've seen it. You have seen it. I was listening to a podcast the other night on TikTok. It was the person was doing a live stream. And they had about eight people on the panel. And they were all arguing over how to please a woman. And my little two cents, I said, well, it would would be nice if every woman had the same blueprint, but they don't. And that started even more shit between them. Of course, nobody agreed. Everybody was in their neutral corner. But see, that's one thing you got to face. You can try some of the basic things that have worked with some people you've dated or been with, but you got to customize it to that particular person you're with at that time. Now, you could expose them to new things by doing that. And like I've always told you older ladies, don't come in there thinking that you treat you teaching a guy a new trick. If you sixty just learning how to give head, you done fucked up. I'm just gonna be straight up with you. If you're forty five and just getting in the anal as a woman, nah. That ain't nothing new. It may be new to you. Just being straight up with you. If you're 50 and shaved your pussy for the first time, you haven't, like, done anything monumental. I mean, it, again, it may be special to you. 
But to the guys, like, okay, thank you. Glad to see any gray. There are women out there that have guys shaved because they don't want to see no gray. Talking about they don't want to be sucking grand, granddaddy's dick. <laughs> but it happens. I remember the first older woman I was with, they had gray down there. That shit was, it was weird. Her hair was jet black, natural hair, jet black. Between her legs, it was gray as a Confederate uniform. I was like, how the fuck did that happen? The carpet does not match the drapes. That's when I realized she had dyed her hair all those years. I'm sitting there like, damn. That should look weird. And then she showed me some pictures of her when she didn't have the dye. And she actually looked better with that pepper gray situation than she did with the black. Because it just looked weird when she was naked. Gray pubic hair and jet black hair on the head. That was a contradiction in terms, after I saw one. Just saying. Shit, I gotta check mine every once in a while to make sure they're still black. <laughs> I started seeing some gray down there. You want those surgical shavers? Hell yeah, I'd be like, Walking around like with a Kojak dick, no hair. Mm mm. Mm mm. Nope. Because when you think of gray hair, you think of aging. You think of grandparents and people that used to be old when you were a kid. And you don't want to go there with that shit. You don't. Well, folks, I'm at the call of the day. But here's the thing. If you're in southern Orange County, stay away from seals, sea lions, because, as you know, they have that plume in the ocean. And they're not feeling too well these days. A person got bitten twice by a seal, I believe. So be careful. The sharks are coming in closer towards the uh, shoreline. Now, they're going to probably do an obligatory bite, you know, just like a dog would. Um, just taking a stride, you know. <laughs> Stay your ass out of the water. That's what you do. And they have the jellyfish that are migrating down there, too. So, you got a lot of things to look out for, just to be safe. Well, folks... I'm going to call it a day. I'm going to go and heat up my Chick-fil-A sandwich that um, I had delivered. And I want you good folks to take care. Love you all. Bye-bye.
All right, now I want to address Alicia's uh, question. And Alicia, you asked me not to really read it because you were embarrassed by it. So I'm not going to do that. I'm going to honor your wishes, but I am going to talk about it, my dear. And what you... I'm trying to figure out a way I can talk about it without talking about it. You know what I mean? I'll put it this way. Alicia's kind of disappointed or disillusioned when it comes down to being an African-American woman. She's 37 years old. Alicia, let me just explain a few things to you. The one thing to keep in mind, and I read your email thoroughly and it was long, but you poured out your heart about the way you felt. Dear, let me tell you a few things. One One of them being that many black women in this country have been passed on a legacy that the black man is less than, subpar, inadequate. And yet, you had a contingent of black women that always believed in them. And the problem for many black men throughout history is, believe it or not, identity. Recognition, respect, dignity. Now, I did like many other African American men did before me. I wanted to solidify myself as a human being. As I tell you before, my original birth certificate said Negro Chattel. I wasn't even called a person. And there were many other black folks born in the era I was born in. They had the same thing on their birth certificate, the original one. I'm not talking about the nice, pristine one with the state seal on it now. I'm talking about that one that was white with a black uh, background and the white writing in it. The first one. And it gives a black man a complex. Especially when he sees that everything is kind of unfair. Let me give you an example. Whenever I go in for jobs, don't you know I was told, well, you're pretty articulate for a black. I didn't know people like you spoke like that. You're almost as smart as a white person. These are things I've heard on the job and during job interviews. Now, here's the other thing we have to come to grips with. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much education you got, no matter whether you serve in the military or not, That person, that cop that would pull you over, and I'm not saying it because he's a cop, I'm saying it because the person had an inferiority complex 
before they put on that uniform earlier in life. In order to be somebody, they became a policeman in some instances because they weren't getting any respect anywhere else. And so therefore, right, there were people before there were cops. Now remember that. And so what that means primarily is they pull you over. They have more authority over you based on the color of the law. Not white privilege, color of the law than anything else. No matter what you've done in life, that was all negated on the decision of them taking you to jail or not, which could have voided everything you've done in life. So you have someone here that's trying to measure up and you have someone else that never had to try and they outpaced you. You know, when you think about what goes on when it comes down to a basic job. There were jobs that I've been on. This is no joke. White boy had a high school diploma. I had to have a college degree just to make what he made. That's white privilege based on a couple of factors. See, we think just because a person is white that they have privilege. That's not the case. They have to have constituency to have that privilege. Because there are a lot of whites out there that are just like you as a minority. They're not in that circle of in people. They're left out of the circle. And I think that what has happened, we have this mindset of conspiracies, thinking that these people are having meetings, they're having these group think type sessions. It doesn't work that way. They may exhibit some of the same behaviors, discrimination, but they discriminate among themselves. Something most minorities don't see. If that was the case, every white person in this country would be wealthy. Slavery would still be in place. You wouldn't have so many people angry at each other based on race. That's starting to quiet down, thank goodness, because what's happening is the last vestiges of that aberration in our society is dying off. That's with the old guard. All these people talking about, you know, culture wars and all that thing, all those things, they're dying off. People are not signing up for that bullshit anymore. They're more educated and well-rounded now. So the lost cause is going to be lost forever. It should be. Now, to get back to what we were talking about with you, my dear, let me give you another situation here. During the Great Depression, well, just before it, back in May 31st, 1921, the Tulsa Massacre, a lot of whites thought that blacks were doing a little bit too much. They were the uppity inwards, right? They felt less than. They felt threatened. How dare you can have all this and I have nothing. But what they didn't realize 
What was one thing that black folks didn't do that much? And even to this very day, don't do much at all. They don't like putting their money in financial institutions and banks. And you got to remember during the Great Depression, from 29, 1929 to 1941, what happened? You started seeing white-run commercials and talked to white retailers about that black population that had resources. You know, GM didn't know what to do. Cadillac was about ready to be thrown to the wolves. And by the way, for those of you, Cadillac was not um, a Native American chief. Cadillac was actually a Frenchman. And I believe he had something to do with the founding or the naming of Detroit, the city. Now, Chevrolet is also a French name, Chevrolet. Keep in mind a couple of things here. Cadillac was on the ropes. Great Depression had bitten in. And they didn't know what to do. The Cadillac board didn't know what to do. They were thinking about doing away with it. And then one of the mechanics was a German told them that, hey, you're missing the point. The people that are bringing their cars in to be fixed and maintained are blacks, not whites. Why are you catering to somebody that's not supporting you who can't afford the vehicle anymore? Because see, at the time what black people were doing, they were living poorly and richly at the same time. What do I mean by that? They may live in an impoverished area, but they're gonna have a nice car. They're gonna wear nice clothes because their cost of living has been reduced. Okay, you're gonna put us in a segregated area where it's gonna be cheaper for us to live. Well, what we're gonna do is just save money and we're going to stay out of risky investments. And we're going to take our wealth and we're going to go purchase quality things because we know if we purchase that quality thing, we won't have to buy it all the time. So we could buy something and put good in it. And believe it or not, that's the philosophy I use. That's the reason why I bought that 78 Mercedes. Something that was quality that was going to last a long time something that would be affordable and over the years would be cheaper to maintain and still have a nice status. This is what they did. Cadillac really thought about it, the board of directors, and what they started doing was catering towards blacks. Same thing when it came down to haberdasheries, clothiers, retail stores, they started to realize, okay, well, there's money there. So let's advertise to them, and they did. And this is one thing you have to realize when it comes down to populations that feels as though they were disenfranchised or not a part of the mainstream. This is what they do. Immigrants do it all the time. 
they trust each other and themselves over anybody else. But when you have the luxury of trusting a broader audience, what happens? You kind of become unconcerned about the risk. These people are vigilant about the risk. So, young lady, what I would tell you is this. Your disillusionment, it may be valid in certain aspects, but it's not fully valid all the way. African-American men have been trying to make inroads just so that they can make more money, get better jobs, so they can support families. But what has happened over time The relationship with black men and black women have eroded. And it's eroded over a couple of things. And guess what the first one is? Economics. And what has happened? There's a gap. Because the way some black men feel as though they're treated by black women, this has put them in that mindset where some black men think that Black women are the right hand of white supremacy. I don't believe it. But some do. But the truth of the matter is, is that some of the characteristics and behavior is carried over that belief. You know, the stereotypical movie where you would see the black mammy yelling at the... uh, the guy who's coming into the big house for the first time. You saw it with Chicken George. You saw it with um, Harpo. That quintessential stereotype of a black man, that's entertainment to a racist because that's where he feels as though a black man should be. Shucking and driving and being inadequate for his woman So he poses no threat to anyone else. Where she's complaining about him not making any money, degrading him and emasculating him, making him constantly feel as though he's down. And so in turn, what has happened, these younger black men are lashing out against black women. We started seeing this in the late 70s, early 80s with rap music. When they started calling women bitches and whores. No justification for that, but the reason why that took place, it started, was because they got tired of the frustration. They got tired of many of these men being disappointed and being emasculated. And it expanded from that point on. Because you got to remember, only a decade before, You didn't hear that in the 70s. You didn't hear that in the 60s, the 50s, the 40s, the 30s, the 20s. Black women silently supported their men because they were in the same struggle black men were. See, that was the difference. 
In the South, the black woman had to worry about being raped. She knew the black man couldn't take care of, couldn't protect her as much. He would try his best. His best wasn't good enough because see, the thing was, that black man could be trumped up on the charge. Boom, he's out of her life. He could be coming at home past sundown, get locked up. She's now by herself with those children. It was that easy. She was vulnerable. So what that means is that a lot of black women started to lose confidence in the black man again. They already lost confidence in him through slavery. Why don't you do something when you couldn't do anything? And now through economic conditions and discrimination, it added more fuel to the fire. These are not excuses. These are facts. It's the way this shit happened. And yet, these black men every decade try to integrate themselves in society because the majority of them, they just want to have the resources to take care of a family and live their lives. You look at the Red Tails, Tuskegee Airmen. What did they want to do? They wanted to fight and prove that black men could actually do something and not just be a welfare case in this country. You know you have a racist nation at one point in our history when they wouldn't even let blacks even fight in the military. The mindset was back then they did get too carried away if they had to go and kill somebody over in Europe who was white. And then they'll probably turn that on here in the States. So they wanted to get, let them get a little bit too ahead of themselves. The Nazis, they used to um, run these recordings And they'd have German women telling them, telling the black men, you can have some fried chicken and watermelon and be with a nice German girl. In other words, taking the very cultural things in America that were taboo for a black man, not the fried chicken and watermelon, because everybody eats that in America, whether you're white or black, doesn't matter. But the white woman, See, that's one thing you have to realize when it comes down to population manipulation in nations. All they have to do is just get a good message that resonates among a percentage of the population and they will repeat it. They will give it a refrain and they will go with it. And it may catch on. Look at the president of Hungary that came over to the United States and talked about a third. I I can't even get it out. I thought, in other words, (laughs) Victor, 
authoritarianism. And the Republicans were eating it up. Extremist views. So, we have to think about these things. And what does it come to do? They have to approach these people in a certain way. You got to catch them at a certain way in time. They're feeling a certain way. Their perception is certain in that way. And they're like, okay, everything is lining up. The stars are lining up. Let's do it. Boom. Look at the Republican Party now. Everybody on the right is afraid of Trump damn near. Except for Christy. Nikki Haley, she can't make up her mind. She's like a light switch. Liz Cheney. I used to have a crush on back in the day. I don't know why. She just, I don't know. She just kind of hot to me. Um, I know I, I have a weird taste in women, I know. Um, it's kind of crazy, though. It's like you look at the very few people and Mike Huckabee. Those are about the three that have spoken out and meant something. Now, in no way am I a Republican. But at least I'll give those three people credit. Mitt Romney, too, I'll give him a little credit, too. They've stood up and said something on the right. And John McCain, as far as I'm concerned, John McCain was more of an American than a Republican. And here's the problem. These people are afraid, the rest of the, some of the rest of the people are afraid to tell the truth, afraid to speak out. And so what has happened, Trump's going to be the nominee more than likely. Indictment be damned. The only way he doesn't become the nominee will more than likely be if he gets locked up. Outside of that. But then if he gets elected president before the verdict comes in, they got to wait until his period of presidency is over with. That buys him four years. So, it's something to think about. And I know I've broadened the conversation out and went way over my time limit that I was trying to keep for myself because I'm, I'm trying to do a podcast diet. I was going to try to keep it under 50 minutes and then I expanded it to an hour. And what I want to do is to keep it under an hour and then have the bonus segments at about an hour 30. That's what I eventually want to do. Even though I read some stats where, you know, the peak you can do a podcast for is 42 minutes to keep the person's attention or whatever. It's not about your attention. It's about your mind about you learning, about me learning. I learn from you, you learn from me. It's a reciprocal relationship. And as I said, you're all leaders. Romantic truth, we have no followers. Even though I'd like for you to subscribe to the podcast, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com backslash romantic truth. 
And you can get us on any platform. Tell a friend about us. Share the link. Because here's the thing, folks. We learn, we grow together. This podcast is about love. It's not about divisiveness. It's not about hatred. It's not about putting blacks against whites, Republicans against Democrats. It's not about none of that. We've done that enough, and it failed. Let's try something different. Let's try loving each other for a chance. Let's do that. Thought I was going to say for a change, didn't you? I did that deliberately. But I'm talking about this in particular. Let's take a chance on us as people working together where we can depend on our humanity more so than our agendas, political parties, and all the rest. Now, I'm not here to influence you in any way, but what I'm here to do is to make you think about the possibilities of when it comes down to something like this. It's up to you to make your own decisions. And that's the good thing about it. You know, for many of my American friends, European friends, Asian friends in certain countries, South America, certain countries of Africa, you have a great in the sense that you can make decisions, you still have the freedom to do so. There are people in reaches of this world that cannot make decisions on their own. The government makes it for them. Be thankful you're in a country where you can think for yourself instead of having an institution think for you. Sometimes we take that for granted. Well, my dear, I hope I've uh, addressed what you were looking for based on what you wrote in the email. Folks, I can't read the email to you because, you know, she really wanted me not to do it, so. I started not to do this, but I got her permission to do it, so we did it. All right. More in a moment. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned, or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes, in the event for professional assistance. Please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. 
all correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.